Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth. Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I'm here today with Sarah Kowalski. She is a fertility doula, family building coach, and author, as well as the founder of Motherhood Reimagined. I'm sure everyone's curiosity has peaked by now. As a single mother by choice who conceived her son via sperm and egg donors, she is a go-to guide for women who are contemplating single motherhood, having fertility issues, raising donor-conceived children, or navigating life as single mothers. Kowalski has a BA from UC Berkeley, and she graduated magna cum laude from Santa Clara University Law School in 1998. She left the practice of law to pursue her interests in alternative healing and the mind-body connection by becoming a certified Feldenkrais practitioner, Qigong instructor, and certified integral coach. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's very nice to have you. And this isn't really a conversation we've had yet on the podcast, so I'm just really excited to dig into this with you today. Great. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah. And so tell me first about why you called your book and your business Motherhood Reimagined. I love that title. Tell us. Thank you. Um, I chose it because I just think that women's path to motherhood um, and even being a mother is so different usually than what we expect. Mm. Um, And I think often we, we grip and hold on to the sort of the fairy tale or the vision that we had and we don't allow ourselves to really be present to what's trying to unfold or really what, what, what's happening. Um, so I really just wanted to convey kind of the beauty of what's possible when we let go of these, these stories and ideas that we have of what it's supposed to be and allow ourselves to open to, to what's really happening. Beautiful. And, and, you know, I always say we teach what we need to learn or what we needed to learn. (laughs) And so I'm curious to hear, um, you know, how did you come to that? Yeah, well, so I um, sort of ended up in my late thirties, had been kind of on a, a path of, you know, trying to better myself and be, you know, very open, uh, sort of conscious and was realizing, um, that I wasn't finding a partner and that I really, um, wanted to have a baby. Well, it actually took me a little while sort of to even decide if I wanted a baby. It was a question that I was sort of grappling with. It was like presented to me of like, you're 39 and you're not really thinking, you know, there is no partner on the horizon. You might want to think about whether or not you want a kid. Um, and so that was sort of the first, like, Oh, Oh, right. I have to like, this isn't the way it was supposed to happen. I was supposed to find the partner first. And I realized that I'd been really shoving down like the question of even whether I wanted a child because I believed that I needed the partner first. Um, and so I had to really kind of re-examine what, whether I wanted to be a mother and why and whether that was dependent on partnership um, and really let go of 
you know, the fairy tale of the the picket fence and the partner and the white dress and Mm. all of that in order to kind of see like, oh yes, I, I do want to be a mother and I'm willing to do that and sort of wait and see whether the partner arrives afterwards. Um, And I think a big part of that was realizing that there's like no guarantees in life. I had this like idea that if I didn't get the partner first, I would end up with a baby and be single forever. And that was really holding me back. And I had to Mm -hmm. sit back and be like, oh, actually I could get pregnant tomorrow with the guy who I've been dating for however long and he could leave the minute I get pregnant or, you know, we could end up divorced. We, you know, someone could die to not to be totally morbid, but just to really, (laughs) you know, you just never know. No, you don't, but I'm hearing so much, you know, that there's these stories that you had in your mind that needed to be questioned and reimagined. Yeah, exactly. And and so it's, I know I'm, I'm curious if you had, you know, was it new beliefs that emerged or was it really more in the letting go and kind of sitting in unknowing and curiosity or maybe both? Um, I mean, I think I had always wanted to be a mother um, and then it got completely lost. And so then I had to really sit in the unknown and the, and sort of re-contemplate what, what I really wanted. I had to reconnect to sort of who I was um, to really be able to kind of see myself, yeah, see see everything really differently because I had to put down the the fairy tale of what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, and I'm curious. I know, like, in when I was reading your bio um, and just learning a little bit about you, you know, you've got this law background, mm-hmm. and then you kind of went into coaching, and we share a coaching school in New Ventures West, mm-hmm. and um, and then kind of you know, practicing Qigong and Feldenkrais, like how does the Qigong and Feldenkrais um, weave into the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, well, I started, I, I so a long, a very long story, I'll try and truncate, but I was a lawyer and practicing law and ended up in um, chronic pain and pretty much like uh, not able, like I wasn't able to open a door. I couldn't turn a key in a lock. I couldn't open a jar. Like my hands and my body just sort of completely, um, stopped functioning from sort of overwork at at the computer as an attorney. Um, and I had to, even at that time, actually sort of reimagine who I was and sort of reconnect to who I was. And I tried all sorts of things and I ended up in the Feldenkrais training, um, and was just completely blown away by it. Um, it's really, I kind of call it like a moving meditation type of practice. It's um, it's almost like movement puzzles and you're kind of mapping the body very intricately, but also overlaying like an exploration of the thoughts and the emotions that are going along with sort of the different um, holdings and patterns and movements in the body. Um, And then in that work, I found my, my now Qigong master was in that training Um, And I started learning a little bit about Qigong. And um, really, I would say that um, they both kind of inspired me to be, it's like I put down my law degree at that point and was like threw myself 100% into these practices. Um, 
And when I started to question whether or not I wanted to be a mom, the, those practices really became um, my, my anchor um, to kind of look at the questions. So I would say that um, the practice is very much about um, mapping kind of home or like what clarity is for you um, and being able to kind of know when you've completely lost yourself and when you're being sort of like being able to look at something with wisdom. Mm. Uh, so it's like our body becomes the North star in a lot of ways. Yes. I mean the body with the mind, but so like Feldenkrais looks at like biomechanics and sort of quieting the system and then looking at how the mind becomes much quieter when the system is quiet. And then Qigong really looks at like the energetic system and that when the channels um, are open and harmonized, you know, like the body can completely disappear at a certain point. Um, and then I think this like clarity arises. And what I realized when I started looking at the baby question was that I completely was freaking myself out. I had like every like, oh my God, I can't do it because of finances. I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because I want a partner. I can't do it. Like I'll never survive. I'll never go to a movie again. I'll never leave my house. You know, just like kind of the spinning that we all know so well. Um, and then I would use the practice to kind of get to clarity. And then from there, look at the question from a very different place. And I think it took me a long time of kind of flipping back and forth between the like the incessant mental chatter and like kind of popping out of that and finding this place of clarity and realizing that all of this chatter was like a story I had generated. Mm. And that when I could really connect to like my, my essence or what I really wanted, um, it was really clear, but it took a long time to sort of stabilize in that clarity and really, be able to like look at the story from a distance and sort of like look at it and be like, Oh yeah, this is all the stuff I do when I'm freaked out and all this story I generate mm. is actually my truth. Got it. So Sarah, tell us how the journey to motherhood, this kind of difficult journey that you had prepared you to be a mother kind of in a very unique way to you. Um, well, I think that, you know, as I started to try and, um, both contemplate whether or not to be a mom. And then I, I had a lot of um, issues trying to actually conceive. Um, I really had it in my mind. Like I want to be kind of like the, I want to work on like my messy stuff and try and be like the best mom I can be. So I really used it. The, you know, I didn't realize that I was sort of using like infertility as a spiritual practice and sort of until the end I had set out sort of like, okay, I know I have, I'm having issues getting pregnant. I'm struggling and I'm going to kind of use this time to kind of look at some of my bad habits and try and clean them up. So, um, I think one of those in particular was sort of being plagued by horrendous like self doubt and, um, I, you know, through the practice kind of kept seeing it arise and arise over and over and over again. And, um, eventually really saw it as like, really as a habit of mine and not necessarily the truth. It's like whatever information my doubt was giving me, mm -hmm. um, 
was not necessarily the truth. And then there was a, like a point in meditation where I literally saw like doubt and clarity as like a choice on a road, like a fork on a road and I could pick one or the other. Um, and that has, I think just really helped me as a mom to be, um, just more clear and sort of see that kind of thing arising and being like, Oh, I get to make a choice right now. Um, and, um, I also really was suffering, I think from a lot of, um, sort of self, I think the process of realizing that I was infertile and having to drop that aspect of my dream of how I was going to be a mom. Um, you, you and I've talked about this, but I don't think your listeners know that I used an egg donor in the end to get pregnant. And that was like another huge letting go of sort of the image of what I thought motherhood was going to look like. Mm. Um, and that, that brought me like so clearly into this, um, sort of late, I call it like the, this latent self-hatred that I had, um, that when I was in like a Qigong retreat, sort of, it came so, so like, uh, in glorious technicolor, I say, um, mm-hmm. and it was through this whole process that I was able to kind of, um, really let go of that and see how mean I was being to myself through this kind of infertility journey so that I could recognize the contrast to that, which was self-love. And I think, you know, being a mother is so, it's so easy to beat ourselves up and to question everything that we're doing as moms. So it really has given me that kind of lens of like, oh, right. You can, one, you don't have to doubt everything. That's a choice to doubt everything that you're doing. And, um, you know, not beating myself up for the choices that I'm making. Um, and obviously that's, um, it's, it's a work in progress, shall we say. As, <laughs> as it is for all of us. Yeah, I'm really kind of imagining, um, you know, I was talking to another mom in a group I was leading, a retreat I was leading recently, and um, she, she had one child and had a hard time um, having a second. And, um, and so there was a lot of feeling of failure in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and changing that perspective, like how difficult, uh, but so important. And so that self-love that you're talking about, I really, I'm really connecting to that for so many women, you know, around the world who, you know, things either don't happen the way they planned or happen in a different way. Um, and there can be shame and, and, and failure or feeling of failure and, um, I'm curious how that kind of self-love showed up for you. Was it a specific practice that you did? Was it infused from your other practices? Are there little, you know, tips or ideas you can point people to or give, give our listeners? Sure. Um, I mean, for me, it was fairly, I think that, you know, I was having to kind of, well, one, it was just like that I hadn't even really realized, I think, how loud this sort of I'm not good enough message that I, I think we all have one of those kind of like, I'm not good enough, I'm not something enough that we kind of live with constantly. And it's not always kind of above the radar that we can hear it and see how we're operating. Um, and so I um, had this experience where after trying for a really long time of um, trying to get pregnant, I, the doctors called me and were like, "Hey, oh my God, you're pregnant! You, you know, like you, you did it! You, you got your miracle!" Um, and I 
just during that time was like the amount of like love and forgiveness and just showering myself and the baby, this baby that I was gestating, you know, like so much love. And I was like, oh my God, I can't afford this kind of self-hatred because now I have a being inside of me and I want to teach it, you know, love. And so it was like this moment, this huge turnaround. And I think just, um, the, the self-love was so, so, so present. And then 48 hours, they called me later, they called me to tell me that I was not pregnant. They had uh, switched someone's lab results with mine. Wow. And, um, then like the self-hatred and the failure and the anger came up, you know, so incredibly uh, like vicious beyond anything I could have ever imagined. Um, and it was really within my Qigong practice and the practice that we were doing that I sort of went really deep into it, um, just somatically and just kind of, I let myself just, um, run with the story and just kind of like indulge the story to it, like to the nth degree. Um, and then all of a sudden just kind of popped out, um, when someone else was expressing like incredible love towards something, it just like all of a sudden hit me and, um, the blame that I had been trying to sort of place on the doctors and on myself and everything just Mm -hmm. kind of vanished into this, like, Oh my God, everyone's trying the best they can. And I have to, like, even though I'm, you know, this reason that I'd had that sort of came up of like, oh, I'm taking care of a baby in my body, which was no longer the case. It still was like, okay, I have to do this. I have no other choice. Um, and, you know, obviously all of that is like a ton of pressure on myself, but it was a great learning all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I'm really appreciating that. And, and, you know, so it was really, and, you know, connecting to the title of the podcast, my messy you know, mindful parenting in a messy mm. world. Um, I almost said my messy spirituality. That's a chapter in my book. That's, <laughs> that's what the book was initially called. Uh, but that is it, right? It's our messy spirituality. It was in that leaning into that discomfort and leaning into that mess, mm-hmm. you know, when you were willing to do that. I mean, and there's so much courage mm-hmm. in doing that. So I just want to acknowledge that for you and for so many people that, that do that, you know, when that that, that anger comes up. We often, like you said, just point it to someone else. We blame, we can kind of stay in it. We feel really righteous in it. You know, it feels really good to kind of feel that way. And, you know, and, but really it doesn't, doesn't get us through. And, and you kind of got through by being in the mess, like just swimming in the soup of the mess you were in. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that it was actually, it was, it was, it was one of the scariest sort of moments I've ever had actually, because I was like trying to hurt myself and I've never tried to hurt myself. And I was, it's like, I went so deeply into the anger and the hatred that it was, it was terrifying, but it was like only by seeing the depth of it that I it was almost like I was like, I can't, this is not, this is not okay. <laughs> this cannot keep happening. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of like, a, I don't know, it was, it was by going, it was a going through it, sort of like going to the depth of it, um, which is also a very like, um, Qigong is a very Taoist practice. So it's like you go to the, allow the polarities to exist. Um, and by going to the depth of it, it's sort of like the light can come. Mm-hmm. And it felt very much like that type of, um, 
experience. Mm, beautiful. And, and so then what inspired you to write the book? I mean, so there's a book out there um, for all of you mamas listening. Um, it's called Motherhood Reimagined. It's a wonderful book and, you know, really shares your story. But like, where was, when did the light come on? Like, oh my gosh, I have to write this book and I have to create this business to support other, other parents who are going through this. Um, well, it started kind of, I was... I, I've been so enthralled by the Qigong and um, Feldenkrais practice that I was sort of feeling like I have to write this down. My teacher wow. refuses to write anything down. Um, but I was feeling very much like I was a lawyer in my writing um, and that just that I really needed to learn how to write in a different way um, and joined a writing group with a bunch of New Ventures West coaches actually um, and was starting to write very technical articles about Qigong and Feldenkrais and and then this experience started happening and I was, they were like, we want to hear you in it. We want to hear your emotion. We want your personal experience. Mm. Um, and so I start, I wrote an essay, um, about one of my experiences and, um, someone in the group who was actually had been like an acquisitions editor for a long time, um, was like, you know, this is a book. And I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> I, you know, at that point I had just been writing it really because I was trying to practice writing, but also the process of writing was so cathartic and helpful. And I felt like I was really facing into these kind of big life lessons that I wanted to record. Um, and then as the journey kind of went on realizing, you know, people don't talk about this. Um, they don't talk about how hard it is to get pregnant. If you're, you know, if you're struggling, um, I feel like it's really closeted away. Um, you're not supposed to admit that you are infertile. Um, so um, I felt really called to sort of give a map to people and sort of show them what I had been through and really hopefully encourage women to see that there's so many ways to be a mother um, or, you know, or just, or maybe to be motherless, whatever. I mean, child, child-free, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I got a certain point. It just kind of felt like a calling that I needed to write it down for other women. Beautiful. And, and so now you're a single mom mm-hmm. and, um, you still, you know, you're taking care of, of your precious one mm-hmm. and you still need to take care of precious you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does that work? I mean, it's hard enough for me and with a partner. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very committed to it and it's difficult. And I wonder how that is for you. Like, what can you offer to other mothers or fathers, you know, listening? Sure. Um, Yeah, I think for me, you know, like I used to go on multiple Qigong retreats a year, like residential retreats and um, practice sometimes hours a day. And that does not happen anymore. Um, And I think it's really become learning how I think this like I've learned what my home like home feels like for me um and home present whatever you want to call it um and I feel like I've you know practiced in how to how to generate that um sensation or that uh reality really quickly um and I, I, it's like I search for the moments in between. That feels like what's doable. It's like those moments when I'm trying to get my son into his car seat and he, you know, won't get in. And I'm like, ah, 
that's like my nerves mounting of like in your currency. I try and like use those moments. I feel like the car seat in particular I use as like, okay, I could just watching my breath for a few, you know, inhalations and exhalations and really finding my body and my bones and um yeah, use it. I think I think it's the moments in between. It's like those little tiny moments that I can kind of recover um and stop being sort of um like swept up in the the busyness and everything that needs to happen and really just kind of become present. Um that's been my survival and then the other piece has been really so I don't go on like the long residential retreats anymore, but um I've taken the debate out of whether or not I'm going to go to class when it's offered, you know, in shorter chunks. Um, so I think it would be pretty much every other type of self care that I do. I feel like I'm like, I'm, I make it a choice each time about whether or not I'm going to do it. Um, and whether or not I have time and whether or not I can afford it. And, and I've just, I don't have that conversation. I just have committed to like, this is my practice and I'm going to go when it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really helpful. And then my teacher does like an online class sometimes on a Friday night. Um, and it's, you know, right during dinner and bath time and all of that. And so I just try, you know, I turn it on and I try and practice kind of being in like a more mindful state um, while I'm doing the bath and bedtime and all of that, which feels like I was joking with my teacher, like, this is what practice should be. Like, you should just broadcast and make people go through their life and try and yeah. sort of stay in the state. Like, this is, this is it. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. Well, it's often about bringing it off the mat, right? I mean, yeah. it's really, I would say, like, it's really easy to be all zen and calm, you know, and I'm on a retreat. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? But then there's coming back and being in life. And, you know, John Kabat-Zinn is one of my main teachers and mm-hmm. he talks about that all the time and you know it life is the curriculum mm-hmm. right <laughs> you know, exactly life is the curriculum and weaving this into life is is where the rubber hits the road mm-hmm. yeah That's amen cool. <laughs> amen <laughs> that sister <laughs> yeah Wonderful. Um, well, we're we're just about out of time. I want to make sure that we leave a little bit of space for you to share. Um, you know, I know we you have a book, uh, Motherhood Reimagined, and they can get that on Amazon and probably Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, and how else can they find you? Can you share your website address? Any sure. way that um, people can work with you? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to share that. Um, so my my. Uh, business is also motherhood reimagined. So it can be found at motherhood reimagined, um, either.com or.org. They, they both redirect to the same place. Um, I also have some face, I have a Facebook private support group that people can join. You can find the link on the, on the webpage and that sort of, uh, it's a, no one can see that you're in it and there's conversations going on there about, fertility issues and sort of different ways of becoming moms as well as, um, the single mom, um, focus. And then, um, in the new year, I'm going to be launching, um, some online classes and, um, and probably a couple half day workshops in the Bay area as well. Um, so yeah, you can find me through all of those. 
So great. So I hope people look out for that and uh, connect with you. And thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Yes. And goodbye to our listeners. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.